Whether you rent or own, Geico makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Having a home is hard work. So get a quote at Geico.com. Easy. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, high quality, round, brilliant cut diamond expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one carat round, brilliant cut diamond is only $31.98. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive, plus free shipping and 12 months interest-free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only, or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista Ready for Love Engagement Ring. Steven Singer Jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn. And of course, we couldn't do it without the founder of the Four Horsemen, the Hall of Famer himself, Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? Enjoying this crisp, cool fall air. How about you? Same. I uh, I got to tell you, I was ready for a few more weeks of summer, but uh, it's not in the cards. It's kind of cold today here in Huntsville, so I'll make it work. You know, listen. I guess we should acknowledge. We got friends listening in Minnesota and up there, they're about to get so cold that if you just take your hot water right out of your coffee maker and throw it in the air, it just evaporates. That's not going to happen for us down here in the Carolinas and Alabama. Well, there's no such thing as fall in Minnesota. Yeah. I too have friends, Barry Darso and Teresa live up there and, uh, it literally goes from summer to 10 degrees. Well, we're excited to give you the, uh, the heat today, all the degrees from survivor series, 2010. That's our topic today. Next week, we'll be back at you with another hashtag. Ask Arn anything. 2010 is an interesting year for the company. It feels like a company trying to find its identity, at least to me. Uh, but we've got some promising stuff that is going to look a lot different. Just 10 years later. Uh, the survivor series 2010 edition was both a raw and a SmackDown branded pay-per-view. So we've got both brands here. It went down on November 21st. It's at the American airlines arena in Miami. There's 8,000 being as reported and being in attendance. Uh, but of course, Meltzer says that well under that number actually paid. That's a big arena, man. I think you can see like 15,000 folks in there. So when you're running uh, a big event, like survivor series to half a house, it's got to be kind of discouraging. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's a funny thing. It, it, you would think that each individual pay-per-view would, would have its own identity and, and do a set amount of, of buys and all this. But when you start running so many, then it starts to become with, okay, how many personal issues do you have on the match? And 
you know, things that are going on on Raw and SmackDown, what's your storyline and, and all that. It's not like you can just brand a particular like Survivor Series. I remember once upon a time, it just, it was the Thanksgiving show for WWF. And uh, you knew what you were getting. You were getting the, the Survivor Series, which is the, the name of the show, style matches. And that's what was featured. But you got more of a blend of, of some different stories going on at this particular time. And I think it's, they're kind of, ch you know, changing the face of what Survivor Series actually is. Only one Survivor Series style match will tell you that, I think. Let's, uh, let's talk about something Meltzer wrote. He says all the Florida crowds the past week were disappointments. He says, um, it was one of the few times in history where at ringside in front of the hard camera, you saw empty seats all night. And he says that some in the company are attributing the disappointing crowd that nice NASCAR was in the same market. And he, and he says others simply laughed at that suggestion. This is an old sort of, uh, I don't know, a bit of a cliche, you know, Bruce has, you has forever said on something to wrestle that one of the old timer excuses was, oh, they opened that new all night gas station. And uh, I think one of the quotes attributed to Tracy Smothers recently when he passed away was man, McDonald's is open. You can't compete with that. This is just old school wrestling stuff. Oh, it's not us. It's this other nominal thing happening across town. Right? Yeah. If they want to see it, it doesn't matter if the circus is in the same building. They'll see it. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I've never heard that circus in the same building. And some of these events, it looks like the circus was, uh, this survivor series has 244,000 buys on pay-per-view that is actually up from 2009. It sold 225,000. Uh, but the previous year was in the 300,000. So we're certainly on a bit of a decline. This was the 24th survivor series. And, uh, the poster for this event had Wade Barrett of Nexus on there. It's kind of crazy to think that, you know, he's on the poster for one of the biggest tent pole events of the year. And as you like to say, we've already cut his water off. Yeah. And, and the thing about it is it didn't have to be that way. Nexus had the numbers. They had the young lions, which is a bit of a cliche, all grouped together, pulling in one direction and the numbers they had. You know, you could have ran with those guys just getting heat week after week after week and the numbers being what was causing it. And you can't half-ass it, though. It's one of those situations where John Cena was a guy that was stuck in the middle and under the gun and, and all that. Well, those guys should have prevailed every single week over the guys they were singling out, the Randy Orton's of the world, the, the John Cena's of the world. And, you know, even up to the undertaker, when you got eight guys, you know, you could do a lot of damage. And I think when you, you know, put just Wade out there, why wouldn't all of Nexus been on that poster? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess they thought at this point, Wade Barrett was going to be the guy. And of course we know what happened at SummerSlam. We should remind everybody that. Um, there were stakes at hell in a cell. And we've talked about that. John Cena had to join Nexus. Um, the Nexus leader, Wade Barrett here is going to be at least on raw. The main feud is going to be Wade Barrett, uh, taking on Randy Orton for his WWE championship. 
John Cena is going to be the special guest referee. And remember he's part of Nexus. Um, you can imagine what happens there. And on the November 8th episode of raw, the general manager makes a stipulation that this match here can only be won by pinfall or submission. And in addition to that, the other members of Nexus are banned from ringside. So the concept here is if Barrett doesn't win the title, then he would have seen a fired. So that's sort of his incentive, I guess, to, uh, to not screw Wade Barrett around. And in addition to that, if Barrett does win the title, Barrett is going to relieve John Cena from his obligation to Nexus. So it feels like the fix is in this might finally be Nexus's night. The main rivalry from SmackDown is the world heavyweight champion Kane against edge. And, uh, of course the world title is on the line. And after defeating his brother, the undertaker at bragging rights, after a three month war, Alberto Del Rio, Ray Mysterio and edge all interfered in Kane's funeral for the undertaker. And afterwards, all three competed in a match against each other for a number one contender spot. And at the end of the match, of course, edge comes out victorious. And now we've got a firm collision course set with uh, Kane and edge. what do you think of Kane's run here in 2010 as a top guy? You know, he first won the title, gosh, 12 years prior to that back in 98. It just feels like he's been a part of the company since they turned the lights on. I mean, we know that's not true, but what a long run. And then to pop back up into the title picture shows that Vince has a lot of confidence in you, right? Well, he's, uh, he's a player. He always was a player. And the one thing I did agree with, if, if you gave Kane that one title run and he pretty much overcame all the odds several times, not just one, not a one trick pony, but established himself not only as a top guy, but a monster and a champion that could defend the championship against virtually anybody in the company and, and prevail. You know, that's who he was and being a big fan of the character and a big fan of, of Glenn Jacobs. I was glad that he finally got his due and, uh, was featured in that role. Man, Christmas is going to be here before you know it. And unfortunately that's going to be extra stress this year with lots of added expenses. Of course, you got to do your holiday shopping, but there's probably going to be some travel involved. Uh, it's just been a tough year, but I want to make this the best Christmas ever. And listen, you may have tried to do this in the past, but what you wound up with was a big credit card bill and a new year's resolution to get out of debt and actually start saving money. Why do we wait until next year to do that? Here's a pro tip for you. Don't put Christmas on a credit card. Go to savewithconrad.com right now. We're going to show you how to skip your single biggest bill for the next two months. If you haven't already, you don't have to make your November or your December payment. You're done until next year. And next year, of course, you're going to start the new year with no, you hear me? No credit card debt. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners get rid of all their credit card debt, but take advantage of these great rates while we've still got them. You can pay your house off faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments, but maybe best of all, get the cash you need just in time for the holidays. Don't start 2021 off on the wrong foot where you feel like you're digging yourself out of a hole. Historically, most American families dig themselves into credit card debt that it takes months to dig out of all from Christmas shopping. Don't do that. There's a better way. Skip your next two house payments, get a better interest rate, lower your monthly payments and get rid of your credit card debt. Just like that. 
at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this? Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Let's um, let's talk about a new round of cuts. The company is going to release quite a few folks on the 19th. But some of these are even folks on the writing team. And perhaps the biggest name is Chris DeJoseph. We saw him on TV briefly as Big Dick Johnson. He had spent many years with the company and had lately in this era, excuse me, had been Michael Hayes' chief assistant on the SmackDown writing team. He even popped back up, I think, in 2020 for the company. Uh, but he's been a staple in wrestling for a long time. I think a lot of fans saw him as a big dick, but they didn't know anything about him behind the scenes. What do you remember about Krista Joseph? I remember that if you've seen him run down at the end of the night in a lime green G string only old up, you can never unsee it. (laughs) It is one of the funniest. And I know that, it was one of the things Vince enjoyed more than anything at the end of the night off the air. You want to give the audience something to talk about going home. He would hit the music and down would come big Dick Johnson and Vince would be rolling as we all would be rolling. And, uh, that was sometimes that was just the entertainment at the end of the night. And he, he was a good sport about it. You know, he knew what was going on and it was, uh, it was entertaining. It was entertaining and Meltzer is going to make a little note in the observer saying that it's been noted to him that Krista Joseph's dismissal has been interpreted as a warning shot by some to Michael Hayes, since the two were close. I, I don't know that I would even co-sign that. I, I, maybe I'm misreading the tea leaves as they say, but it felt like Michael Hayes has been on the inner circle forever. You know, certainly with Vince and Stephanie and triple H, did you, did you at all get an inclination that, oh man, if they're getting rid of the Joseph, they might be pissed at Hayes. Cause that was his boy. One has nothing to do with the other. Yeah. Rest assured. Michael Hayes has been there since the beginning of time. He will continue to be there. And big Dick Johnson had absolutely nothing to do with it one way or the other. I, uh, that's a little weird to me. Let's talk about some other releases. These are television characters, by the way, Luke Gallows. He's going to be cut loose. Shad Gaspard, uh, Jillian Fletcher, uh, Taryn Terrell, Lance Hoyt, uh, Chris Pavone. And uh, all of them are told there's just budget cuts, but Gallows we know is going to go on to become a pretty big deal. He's going to have quite a run in new Japan, have a run with impact. Uh, and then of course, uh, signed for big money to come back to the WWE. And these days he's on impact part of the good brothers with his pal, Carl Anderson. Uh, I think his wife at the time was, uh, Taryn Terrell. She's also a part of this released group, but the other, wait a minute, wait a minute. you're talking about gallows. Yeah. Nope. Taryn Terrell was actually, Oh, that's Drew Galloway's. Yeah. 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 Drew Drew's wife. Yeah. My apologies. Correct. Uh, you're very seldom ever. Incorrect on something like that. Thought I would just, uh, I'm glad you did. Uh, you know, here's what happened out there. I saw gallows and Galloway and, uh, got my wires crossed. So thank you for the correction. 
it's an honest mistake. You don't make many of those. Let's talk about her though. Uh, she was briefly suspended before eventually being released. I guess there was an incident back in August. She was arrested on a domestic dispute charge at a Los Angeles hotel. And, um, apparently she got loud hotel security was called the police came. Ultimately the charges were dropped. Uh, but apparently she had heat with the office, not only because she got arrested, but because she didn't tell the office. And I think that this was the issue with the whole, and I don't know, I mean, you've never spent much time talking about it, but I think this was the heat with the Enzo situation, uh, several years later where he had a situation and ultimately the, the charges would be dropped, but the issue wasn't necessarily that he was arrested. Obviously that's not good, but that he didn't communicate it to the office. So they could have planned a defense or gotten out in front of it or protected themselves somehow. Is that the, the crux of the issue with, with Terrell here and, and perhaps Enzo that they just didn't tell the office? Yeah. Some one train of thought would be what happens on your personal time is in your personal life. The reality is you're, you're much better off. If you do have an incident of any kind, let the office be the first one to know. So whatever damage control now it's in their lap. They can do whatever they feel is necessary. You're better to go ahead and just transfer it to them. What do you want me to do about it? How do you want me to handle it? If I'm the person that's, uh, the subject of what's going on, if you try to just think it's going to go away, that's fantasy Island. You know, it's like something happens to someone in the business, give it one day and it's everywhere. So I think that was a mistake. Uh, I think the thing with Taryn involved Drew McIntyre and the two of them, it started off as innocently as going to the Playboy Mansion. Mm. I think it's where the, the party started that night. And it spilled back to the hotel and I guess things, you know, couples and probably not a good idea to stay at the company hotel if you're a couple and you have tendency to get loud with each other which I think is really all that happened is just, they got into a big, loud screaming fight and intoxicated, which everybody's probably done a thousand times. Uh, just so happened the police got called. It was the company hotel and, uh, it became a lot bigger than I think it really was. Well, ultimately, uh, that relationship would end. they would divorce the next year and well, things are going to look up for Drew Galloway. We know in these days is Drew McIntyre, the, uh, incredible run he's had since his return and winning the title at WrestleMania, et cetera, et cetera. Another name that was mentioned in those cuts a moment ago, though, Lance Hoyt, who at the time was wrestling under the name Vance Archer. Of course, these days he's Lance Archer on AEW. I got to tell you, man, it's really cool to look back 10 years ago and see big names like, you know, Luke Gallows and, and Vance Archer. There is life after WWE. And, you know, obviously no one would have ever predicted that there was going to be an AEW, but Gallo's proved it, you know, in new Japan and impact. And I, I don't know. I, it's just, it's cool to think that your dream doesn't have to end just because it didn't work out with WWE. Yeah. And there was a, there was a time period between about, uh, 2002 up until 2000, say 18, maybe 17 that. There really wasn't 
a lot going on other than WWE, if you're talking about here in the States. You know, it was a bit of a dry well, and a lot of people thought, well, God, if, you know, if they're letting me go here, what am I going to do? And, and people just panicked. They didn't realize there was other places and there was independence and places to go and in Japan and get experience and, you know, go out of the, out of the States to get, you know, get some, get some more seasoning, get notoriety and, and all the things that you could accomplish outside of WWE. The fact is you're right. There's definitely life after WWE. If you really want to be in this business and the guys that, that survived the Lance Hoyts and, you know, big drew, big Luke, uh, those guys not only survived, they, uh, up the ante. I'm not going very far. I'm in a rush. It's too uncomfortable. Sometimes I just forget. Don't kid yourself, guys. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. If you've used any of these excuses or any others, you're putting yourself at risk of injury or even death. In 2018, nearly 10,000 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. That's 43% of people killed in motor vehicle crashes that were not wearing seatbelts. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Even when you sit in the back seat, you still need to buckle up. That goes for when you ride in taxis and use ride sharing services too. Cops are on the lookout and writing tickets. So why take the risk? Seat belts save lives. So do the smart thing and buckle up every trip day or night, click it or ticket. No doubt about it. Uh, somebody else who's looking to, uh, cash their chips in, in this era, my Matt Heisen, who's 40. Uh, he's best known as Spike Dudley in ECW. He's going to retire after a 17 year career. And Meltzer would say, Tyson was a classic overachiever who would have been considered too small to be a wrestler. When he started training in California, it was to be a manager, but he was a good worker on the Indies and got his big break from Paul Heyman and ECW in the late nineties. After ECW folded, he lasted until Oh five until he was cut by the WWE. He worked on occasion in TNA as brother Runt because WWE claimed ownership of the spike Dudley name. Spike Dudley is an unlikely success story in wrestling. You got to work with him a little bit in WWE. what did you think of Spike? Oh, I love Spike Dudley. He, um, you know, first of all, he was an intelligent guy, you know, educated guy. And, uh, what you see is not, not what you talk to, you know, and the guy was just, he was a crash test dummy in the time when that was the only option that he could have had because we were still on the six foot five, 280 pounder being the prototype for what a wrestler should be. But the fact that he could take so much abuse and get power bombed, you know, off the top rope through a table out on the floor and actually survive it. You know, the guy was, was tough as hell. And, uh, he just kept getting up and it wasn't that he was an ass kicker or that he was a great wrestler. He was a guy that you just couldn't get him to stay down. And that was his claim to fame. That was his story. That was his gimmick, you know, and there was a spot for a guy like that. And, uh, 
and I always like Spike, enjoy talking to him. And uh, I know that he probably is feeling all those bumps today as we speak. But uh, that was his niche, and uh, he did a great job with it. He really did. Uh, the Philadelphia market has been synonymous with WWE and, and the home for WWE from 74 to 96 was the spectrum. And it's finally demolished on November 23rd, 2010 here. Uh, Meltzer would note the building had largely been obsolete since they built a more modern core state center right next door. Your favorite memories of running in the spectrum. It feels like a, a building that's synonymous with pro wrestling. Yeah. And it just had a different feel. It was older. You know, you had a lot of history yet. Obviously the, you know, uh, hockey team had a lot of history there and it was sometimes new and modern and all that is awesome. It's the great next piece, but there are some of those arenas, you know, like in Columbia, South Carolina, you have, you have that, that building where we used to wrestle and every seat all the way to the ceiling felt like it was right on top of the ring. The spectrum had that just had that flavor to it that you knew there had been some wars in that building. And, um, it was just one of those places you walked in and you could almost hear the walls talking to you. And, uh, it was associated strictly with WWF, not WCW who ran another building that was downtown there. And, um, you got just used to when you walked in the door, it was just familiar. And it was, uh, it was one of those buildings. I wish they would have just left up to be honest with you. Sean Waltman took to Twitter here in 2010 to say that the WWE should have two brands, but not just one named raw and one named SmackDown. But one aimed at intelligent adults and the other created specifically for children. I got to tell you, Arn, I kind of like that idea, you know, having a family friendly. I mean, listen, when I grew up, I loved watching Saturday morning wrestling. It was always on whether it was superstars or challenge or some of the syndicated shows from WCW. Uh, it was a big part of my weekend routine to watch wrestling. Uh, but then later, of course, when wrestling became more of a prime time weeknight affair, they started to push some of the boundaries with, uh, more, uh, risque content. And I was the right age group for it at that time. So I really liked that, but I understand there was heat quote unquote on, Hey, should we let our kids watch this with the crotch chopping and middle fingers and drinking beer and bleeding and everybody yelling, suck it. And all the nonsense that was the attitude era. Certainly you shouldn't let your kids watch that. What do you think of this idea that there be a kid's brand? and an adult brand. Well, you know, I think in its, in its thought process, you know, we would love that problem is, are you going to use the same talent to cross over to both, both shows to be characters on both shows? And that's where you run into the problem. You're either PG or you're not, you're either G or you're not. And I don't think you could cross pollinate the two. And the reality is, if you probably look at the stats, the big money is in the PG product because that's groups of guys. Uh, 
that's guys that come four and five and six together and they're all buying t-shirts and they're all buying beers and they're all paying parking and uh, they're buying the merchandise and they're the ones who come to the pay-per-views and that's the ones you hear chanting. And then you look at the numbers of kids that we have and if John Cena is not on the card, who is like the mayor of all children or was, he was the guy that appealed to all the kids, and that was his fan base. Uh, what do those numbers look like? What do they stack up to be? And now you're talking a total production of a, of a different total show. And I don't think anybody's ever going to look at wrestling. When you say professional wrestling, they're not going to look at that as being a G product for kids. It's just too firmly cemented in their mind what it is and what it should be. I don't know. I'm skeptical. To, would it be nice if you could do it? Absolutely. Because, you know, it's always made me proud when we put a product out there that you're, you are proud to bring your 10-year-old to. And there's nothing that happens during the course of the night that he can't see. And when we cut some of the low road stuff out of the industry, you know, uh, people almost naked and, and innuendos on the language and all that stuff and the blood and guts and too violent, you know, I was glad to see that. So you could have, you know, if somebody wanted to bring their children, they could bring them with no fear of anything going on. But, you know, it's an interesting concept. Don't know if you can do it, but uh, it's an interesting thought coming from Pac. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, High-quality, round, brilliant-cut diamond expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent, full, one-carat, round, brilliant-cut diamond is only $31.98. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive, plus free shipping and 12 months interest-free financing Steven's showroom is open by appointment only or go now to I hate and click on the Krista ready for love engagement ring. Steven singer jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I hate It is. I, um, I, I think to your point, you wouldn't want to cross pollinate them, but let's imagine for a minute that if you did that sort of split an adult version and a kid version. Up until recently, you could have had Roman Reigns as, you know, the, the star character on your kid version, but then you, you do one of these drafts, you shake it up and boom, he shows up on the adult version. And now we see he's got more of an edge and he's more of a bad guy. He can do uh, a different style and, uh, you know, just change his character up a little bit. I think it feels raw and SmackDown start to feel, I don't know. They have a sameness to them. Not just because of the set design, uh, but because it feels like, okay, he was on Monday. Now he's on Fridays, but what else is different? But if they really had to change their character, you know, now we have to, 
you know, present ourselves in a different way because we're talking to a, a 32 year old or a 12 year old. I think that could be interesting. I don't think we'll see it, but I think it could be interesting, especially since it seems like these days when people talk about ratings more than ever, they're talking about the demo. And if you really want to get those folks to tune in that coveted 18 to 49 males or whatever the number is, then perhaps going more adult with that program, that becomes a little easier, but you can still sell all of your, you know, action figures and toys and lunch boxes and all that stuff to the kids. I don't know. It's fun to sort of armchair quarterback this stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And if you, I would feel a lot better about it if it was the way it was during the infancy of the draft, those first couple of drafts, when we split the product and we split, there was a blue team, there was a red team, that talent took that serious. And I know the SmackDown crew who had always been said were the B team people. It's, you know, they were very offended the fit Finley's and the undertakers and the Bradshaw's and all the guys that were on SmackDown, they were offended by being called. They all, they thought, and justly so. And in a lot of cases, they were the A team and there was a strict competition. There was a strict rivalry between the two. And when you didn't cross the talent over, once you became SmackDown or raw talent, you didn't see them on the other show. It truly was a bland split, a brand split, excuse me. And you felt that and you couldn't see guys on Monday and see them on Friday too. You know, it was, if it would have stuck with that and let that run its course before it became wishy-washy and okay, we're going to have a draft. Oh, and everybody's going to be on their own separate brand, except for talent, A, B, C, and D, then they can go to both the moment that you say that the draft means absolutely nothing. Yeah. And we kind of dumped in our own mess kit there. Uh, even if you would have had one person that could float back and forth, it's not the same. You know, when you got drafted those first couple of drafts and it became evident that, Hey, you were leaving friends behind. Now you were, you're, you weren't going to cross paths with these guys, even though you work for the same company, you would go a year and not see a guy because he had different rooting. You were never in the same town, the same time and your friends, you know, you had to make a whole new group of traveling partners and friends and the angles had to be within that company. It, uh, it was a, it was a real brand split and it was, uh, you know, I liked it. I liked it. I thought it, it uh, it made for a lot of interesting chaos within each individual company. One of the thing that Waltman sends out here that I want your opinion on, he says the company should also drop their marijuana policy and steroid policy. At the time, the company is still punishing wrestlers for positive uh, marijuana tests. And I think that yeah, occasionally it involves suspensions for like multiple offenses, but I think it's a $2,500 fine or something. You know, I've never talked about this. Do you think the company needs a marijuana or steroid policy? No. Number one, if you're going to use steroids, use them under a doctor's care and use them, you know, if you're healing injuries and all those type things, 
that's what they're there for. That's what they were manufactured for, you know, and if you allow the talent to use them the right way, you won't have the abuse because nobody will be sneaking behind anybody's back trying to, to do something that's not within the company policy. The pot thing is a joke. You can walk in in how many states today and just walk in and buy it. Walk out the door. It's perfectly legal, right? Right. To have a policy that's against something that's, I mean, that would be like saying, okay, don't go in and buy a bottle of Jack Daniels. You know, we're going to have to find you for that. Guys have to have an escape in this business to travel, you know, the, uh, the beating your body up, the being away from home, the trying to go to get into your hotel room and wanting to call your wife and, and talk to your kids and it's the middle of the night. You can't wake them up because it's school night. There's so many different things that they go through a guy's mind when he's on the road 250 days a year. His body's beat up. He's tired. <clears throat> he just wants to get some rest. You know, if a guy wants to, you know, smoke a perfectly legal substance in today's world, certainly don't turn around and charge him 2500 bucks a pop for doing it. You know, you're saying, we're not going to fire you. We're not going to suspend you. But here's the punishment like that somehow makes it right. Hell, let the guys have their pot. Let a guy have a cocktail if that's what he chooses to do on his own time. Now, it's up to the individual to not get popped in those states where it's not legal, where it's still a crime. If you're foolish enough to not to not govern yourself and uh, watch after yourself and not get in trouble over it, and give the because there's still people in this world that believe that pot is a drug, and that uh, there's a lot of negative vibes that goes that go with that. People haven't. You know, they don't have their thinking up to snuff, I would say, because it's uh, it's a new world. Marijuana is recognized as doing a lot of good for a lot of people, <clears throat> and it should just be something that's accepted as long as you don't get yourself in a sling over it. Well, I think you just made a lot of our listeners pretty happy. Let's talk about something else in this era that uh, is going to get some people talking. The return of tough enough on the USA network as a reality show is now official. The observer would report that in November, um, as a concept, did you like tough enough or did you think it was a monumental waste of time? No, I liked it. Um, I liked seeing people come into our world and our environment that were good athletes in other worlds and other environments and test their metal against what they thought professional wrestling was because it's a real eye opener. When you step through those ropes and you're looking on the inside out versus on the outside, looking in, got a completely different look and it has a completely different feel as most of them will tell you. Let's talk a little bit about Vince McMahon in this era. Of course, he's still running the show, but because it is a corporate entity, he has to have a contract to be chairman and CEO. So he signs a new one, uh, a three-year deal with his own company. But hey, that's the way the corporate structure works here in America. He's going to have the official title of creative director, as well as a writer for the company and a performer. He gets a base salary of 1.1 million per year. 
Of course, he has incentive-based bonuses on the company reaching a certain level of profitability. If the company hits those goals, he gets an annual bonus of $1.1 million. There's lots of fun stuff in here, but my favorite is, quote, he also gets four weeks of paid vacation per year. Arn, have you ever heard of Vince McMahon taking any vacation, much less four in a year? He has now accrued 411 years of vacation time. <laughs> the idea that he's going to, God damn, Linda, let's get down to Turks and Caicos. I just don't see it. <laughs> just He wakes up thinking about this business. He goes to sleep thinking about it. He gets up to pee. He came up with an angle while he's in there and texted Bruce about it, right? There's no chance he's taking four weeks vacation. I'd love to see somebody walk in the office, not knowing like on a TV day on Monday and tell Vince, they'd like to talk to him about some days off. Can you imagine the nuclear blast that would come out of that room? Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, this is what he does 24 seven. It's what he thinks about 24 seven. I doubt other than the time that he's in the gym, which is every day, I would bet at least probably five to six days a week. Anyway, you know, that's probably his only, you would think release, but I'm sure he's thinking about the business every minute that he's working out. So 24 seven, do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or your renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Well, he is 24 seven, but believe it or not, he didn't go to England for TV in this era. Uh, the observer would note that this was triple H's first time basically being in charge in his new role as Vince's top advisor. Meltzer would say the only thing we heard is things were very different, but that was said to them in a positive manner. Is this the, the first time you remember 10 years ago that Vince occasionally says, okay, I'm not going to go Hunter. You just take care of it. Yeah. And I always believed and still believe there was a business reason for him not going because it's not like he's flying coach on Pan Am. Right. You know what I mean? Right. He's on that beautiful jet of his. It's got the big captain's chairs that lay all the way back and the big shrimps, uh, probably some Cavassier and all kind of various wines that are very expensive. Don't know what he drinks, but just guessing. And I'm sure the trip over and the trip back is the least of his trouble. So it's not a travel issue. It's not a, not an issue was going through customs and all that, that pain in the ass stuff you have to go through when you go there. Uh, if he didn't go, there was a business reason, something he had to be there for. I guarantee it. Let's talk about survivor series. We're finally here. The show gets 35% thumbs up, 32% thumbs down, 32% thumbs in the middle. People are really split. Uh, there's a dark match or I guess a pre-show match. It's our truth, uh, pinning Zach Ryder. Uh, then we can start the actual show. We've got Daniel Bryan. Retaining his United States Championship, beating Ted DiBiase in 9.55. Meltzer liked it, gave it three and a half stars. Brian wins clean with the LaBelle lock, and uh, Meltzer would call it a very good start of the show. 
how'd you uh how'd you like the match and what did you think of uh the heat that matt striker was receiving uh, i guess uh, a lot of folks in this era started to really pick on his commentary well he had his own style and he liked what he liked and he tried to be voice you know voicing himself uh as almost as the counter to michael cole who is the heel announcer and was dumping on all the baby faces. I think Matt thought he might take up the, the fight for the baby faces and maybe it came across that way. Maybe he was reaching too hard. You know, I never paid enough attention, you know, to the commentary because I was doing so many other things and I was always between one place and another. I wished I'd have had time to sit down and watch a show and listen to the commentary. Uh, but I didn't really, um, I know that uh, when I look back and I watched, you know, several matches on this show, the guys, you know, they were they were some young, good-looking baby faces and heels. Ted DiBiase, I wish to this day that him and Randy and Cody could have been left together for just, say, two years and let that run its course because – Coming out of the shoot, those three looked as good as anybody we've ever put together. They looked like three stars, and they all learned from each other, and they all benefited from each other. And when you split one of them off, you split the two off from Randy, it, it took on a different flavor, and it wasn't quite there yet, so it didn't stick. Then when you split te- you know, Cody and Teddy up, they weren't ready to be split up either. They could have still learned from each other and been a great team. I thought, you know, the sum of the parts to me, uh, when you broke it up was not as valuable as the three of them together. And I just wish they could have ran their course and, uh, watching this match with Daniel Bryan, who you just knew, or I knew if they would just continue to let him do what he does, they don't have to push him, shove him, put a bunch of laurels around him. Just let that kid go wrestle. And that's what he was able to do with Teddy. And they tore the joint down. That match was incredible. I can't help, but wonder what Ted would be doing. If he were in wrestling now, do you think when it came down to it, his heart just wasn't in it, you know, had he just gotten burned out on the travel and the WWE grind? I mean, WWE, everybody knows this, perhaps nobody better than you. It can wear you down. And, and and I just feel like, you know, he, he may be, would have enjoyed today's climate. Maybe when you've been to the, to the pinnacle and you've been with Randy and Cody and, and that group, and you were working with the top baby faces and you were enjoying the business at a top level. And the writers were having to write decent stuff for you because you were the top heels. Once you experience that, you can't go back to just, coming to TV every week and they may or may not use you. One thing's for sure. They have no big plans for you and they're not going to be writing a bunch of creative stuff for you. And I saw Teddy just get farther and farther down that list and taken for granted. And people would look at him like, okay, well it's over. You know, you can, you can look at this match and just no buys, just put it on face value. You can even cut the, the sound off and just watch the quality of the work. And him and Daniel Bryan went out there and tore it up. Who knows how good Teddy could have been if they would have just stayed the course. 
so many things have gotten broken up, so many angles and guys that were partners and got split off and things got, you know, before they got too hot, they would get cooled off. And, and the main reason for that is company don't want guys having too much power. They don't want to get too hot because if they get too hot, then they may have an opinion. And if they have an opinion, they may say, well, I don't think this is right. And once you go there and once you start asking all those questions, a lot of people in a room don't like to have that aggravation. If you know what I mean? Let's, uh, let's talk about the next match. I guess first we should mention there's a segment with Miz and Alex Riley. They come out. Miz is cutting a promo comparing the Miami heat with Nexus saying they're both overrated despised by most people in the league and hopelessly mediocre. He compares LeBron James to Wade Barrett. He pushed that he's from Cleveland where James played and said he was a traitor for leaving the city and said, LeBron would never be a champion with the heat. Uh, and he says he's tired of carrying the briefcase around and he's ready to cash it in. Uh, then we get John Morrison hitting Seamus. Hey, Kim, before, before we go any further, yeah. uh, one thing we might've skipped over is you had the clean win with Daniel Bryan yeah. who had to really, really work for the LaBelle lock and right. on his exit. Miz came out with Riley and blasted him with that briefcase. So he got a little, you know, got a little extra heat there. Daniel Bryan has had a great match or a great win, got blasted by the briefcase. Then they went into their promo, which, you know, th- this was the incarnation of when they were starting to build Miz. So. Just to catch everybody up, this was the infancy stage where he was going to get his big shove. And it's a cool look back at what's now become a more legendary feud in WWE, Daniel Bryan and Miz. I mean, it feels like those guys have been attached at the hip. The most hated jeweler in America makes holiday shopping easy. Steven Singer has the perfect gift for that special someone who's the center of your universe. The one who your whole world revolves around. That person who's the star of your love story, show her it's her with Steven's brand new exclusive star of love diamond necklace. Picture it, a star necklace covered in real sparkling diamonds with an open heart in the center. This beautiful necklace is just $128 plus fast and free shipping in time for Christmas. Great jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Buy real jewelry from a real jeweler you can trust. Steven Singer is not in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. It's easy. Go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Star of Love Diamond Necklace. Steven's real expert jewelers are available seven days a week to help you. In his showroom at the other corner of the 8th and Walnut in Philly, by appointment only, or through email, chat, phone text, or virtual video appointments, Real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I hate Steven singer.com. Uh, John Morrison here pinned Seamus in 11, 11 Meltzer would say it was another good match. He gave it three and a quarter stars. Um, the finish saw Seamus try for his razor's edge, but Morrison gets out. Seamus comes in with another brogue kick, but Morrison sidesteps it, hits a flying kick followed by the shining wizard for the pin. And Stryker would have been the only one of the announcers who would have literally known the move, but he chose to stay out of it. Uh, they pushed in commentary, the idea of the bully getting his that according to the observer, what did you think here? Two very capable performers. And it feels like two really good matches to start the show. Yeah. And Seamus was a bully at that point. 
and uh, very rugged with his work. John Morrison, I guarantee you to this day, is not afraid of probably a lot. And you could tell, I mean, they're in there mixing it up pretty good. There's some pretty stiff shots. Uh, Morrison never backed off. And uh, that guy is such an incredible athlete. If you could see him do that parkour stuff, I believe it's called. It's just incredible. And uh, athletically, he's just very gifted. And he's just a tough son of a gun. Uh, you know, I bet you he'd be a handful outside the back door of a bar somewhere if you gave him too much crap. Um, and he had, you know, you look at him on TV now, he, ha he has aged incredibly. He looks exactly the same. So he's one of those rare, unique guys that, uh, is very, very durable and can take a lot of punishment and dis dish out a lot of punishment. And you saw that in this match. Let's talk about, uh, the next little backstage skit here. We see our truth tell John Cena, Hey, I've got a solution for your problem. Nexus is banned from ringside, but I'm not. I'll come down and do something to Randy Orton. And, uh, then you can count Orton's shoulders down that way you get to keep your job, but be out of Nexus and you're guilt-free because I caused the disturbance and Cena is upset at this and says he couldn't live with himself. If he did that, uh, he doesn't want to disrespect the legends of wrestling that he grew up idolizing by helping Barrett get the title. He's going to call it down the middle and truth seems frustrated with that, but we're at least doing a little bit of storytelling in the middle of the pay-per-view. These segments feel a little bit like a raw rather than a pay-per-view, but I like it because it is sort of checking the boxes of all the probable outcomes of the main event. And we keep the show going next with Dolph Ziggler and Caval. Uh, I gotta tell you, I was a big fan of Loki. He was first on my radar back in Oh two, I guess. And I just assumed this guy was going to be one of the next big stars in wrestling. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out, but it does seem a little weird to go back in time and watch him wrestle Dolph Ziggler. 10 years ago, Dolph picks up the win in nine minutes and 31 seconds. So he retains his intercontinental title. Uh, Kavala dedicated the match to the rough house rider nation. And of course, then he lost, uh, he's going to talk about his cousin, Steve and his best friend, Nelson. And that's referring at least in code to, uh, independent wrestling legend homicide, who I guess had a run with impact as well. I like this. I, I thought it was a fun match. I I've always felt like Loki, um, could have done, could have did a little more. I think the rap on him was, he just wasn't always easy to do business with, but I don't know. I never worked with him. The crowd wasn't all the way uh, into it, but there is a, a fun finish here. There's a cool spot where Caval's thrown in the air, but lands on the top rope and comes off with an enziguri for a near fall. Uh, it ends with uh, a cradle by Caval being reversed by Ziggler. who's also holding the tights, another three and a quarter star match. We've had three really good back to back to back matches. what do you think of this one? Yeah, I liked it. I thought Caval had a, he had almost an evil look to him. Yeah. If you just looked at his eyes. And his facial expression and the way he moved, it's almost an evil thing. I didn't ever look at him as being a baby face. Right. And I, th and I think that's probably part of the reason, you know, you've got Dolph out there with Vicky who had a ton of heat. The, the moment she started screeching, the place went berserk. Uh, Dolph was on the way up. He had already gotten to a stage with his work that he could go out and tear the joint down with everybody. Didn't matter who, 
and uh, you had these young guys out there, but there really wasn't a baby face in the match. And if you watch watch the match back and watch the crowd, they were they were watching and they were respectful, but they they really weren't into it to the degree they wanted to see somebody with heat get their ass kicked. I didn't get that feel for that. It felt almost like a a very well done generic match. Nothing really at stake. Uh, but the performance I thought was very, very good on both their parts. Why do you think Loki didn't work out here for the company? Um, I really don't know. Uh, and you never know what happens when you negotiate with writers and, and your boss in that company, because when a a talent would go in and, and talk about creative producers weren't involved in that conversation. And I made it a habit unless it was somebody that asked my opinion to not pry. That was their personal business. But a lot of guys could walk in to that office where all creative was located. And if you were iffy or on the bubble, if you said something the wrong way or said the wrong thing, you might walk out of that room being on your downside on the way back. I did hear rumblings about um, him voicing his opinion. And strongly sometimes don't know if it's truth or not. Uh, I certainly understand that. And in some cases, certainly respect it. Uh, I know that if you don't speak up and you're right and you, you're definitely are right, then you're doing a disservice to yourself and the company. So I don't know why his push wasn't longer or bigger. Not sure. Well, it's a shame. I, uh, I still think he had an upside and by the way, he's, he's still young. He's only 41 years old. So he's still got some gas in the tank. Uh, next up, we see the swagger is mad that the SmackDown team in the match, uh, he, um, he didn't think he, it should be Del Rio's team. He thinks it should be his team, which he wants to call team swaggers, all American, American, uh, swagger said this show wasn't taking place in the U S but in little Cuba trying to get a little heat here for Miami and next up it's team Mysterio, which is Ray Mysterio and big show and Kofi Kingston and MVP and Chris masters taking on team Del Rio, which is Alberto, Cody Rhodes, Ted DiBiase, uh, Tyler Rex and Jack swagger, a traditional survivor series elimination tag here. Of course, team Mysterio wins in 18 minutes and 12 seconds. Meltzer would note that MVP got a big hometown pop, but that nobody knew Rex. And he says the heel team here is the best groomed team in survivor series history. And, uh, Cole claimed the survivor series, the event itself made stars out of the rock, Randy Orton and the Miz. I thought it was, you know, pretty fun to have an old school elimination style match. This is what I grew up on with survivor series. Uh, Meltzer says the negative here is that no new stars were allowed to look good and that there were no upsets giving new pushes in the eliminations, but he liked the match and that he gave it three and a quarter stars. Uh, the streak continues another pretty good match. What'd you think? Well, if no, nobody knew Rex, wouldn't that have been a good chance for him to upset somebody? Yes, sir. That's what made these top matches fun for me because you could take a guy that wasn't well known, put him on that, on that particular team. And it always felt like to me, survivor series was one of those deals where 
they were almost brand exclusive. You know, it was almost like two teams that were going after each other. Even if it was all heels and all baby faces, it just felt like there was a bond of some sort on each team and it made it more competitive. And you could take a guy like Tyler Rex and had him upset somebody. It would, you know, they would have known who he was the next day. If you would have continued on with it, having a young guys in this match, it was a launching pad. I felt like to put him in a much more favorable role. And I agreed with that a hundred percent. And plus those kids can, they can go put, give them a vehicle to go out and show you what they got. It's interesting to look at the crew again, too. Mysterio still there. Big show still there. Kofi Kingston still there. MVP still there. Chris masters. Isn't uh, on the other side. Nobody is. Alberto Del Rio, Cody Rhodes, Ted DiBiase, Tyler, and Jack Swagger, not a one. And it's interesting, I guess, that Ted DiBiase is out here doing double duty. I don't know that that's been talked about enough here, but it feels like the company has a lot of faith and confidence in him. And I don't know. It's just fun to look back in 10 years and see sort of where they are now. Of course, we know Cody and, and, uh, and, and Swagger are now across the board uh, over with uh, AEW. But everybody else still sort of figuring things out. I think Teddy probably falls in that uh, category of we don't need you till we need you. Yeah. And, th- and then we need you twice. You know, you just brought up something that probably would have gotten washed right under the bridge. That's uh, it's an amazing fact because I know he was on his on his way down the totem pole when this occurred. And, uh, he went out and tore it down with Daniel Bryan, and then they thought enough of his work to put him on the team for the Survivor Series match, too. There's some antiquated thinking there somewhere. There's Somebody has uh, got their wires crossed. Is he good enough or isn't he? It's very interesting. Let's talk about uh, the next match. We get... Natalia winning the Divas title in a handicap match over the co-champions, Michelle McCool and Layla Meltzer would say this was a nothing match, but still better than most women's matches because there's no blown spots or awkward, bad wrestling. He says, lay cool made fun of Natalia acting like she had a beard, like Jim Neidhart. Layla got no local star pop at all, but I don't think they've pushed that. She's from Miami on television. Natalia suplexed both at the same time. The spot didn't get nearly the reaction it usually gets. Uh, Natalia with a sharpshooter out of nowhere. And then after the match, McCool and Layla attack her until Beth Phoenix music plays and she runs in for the save, giving Layla the glam slam. Phoenix puts Natalia on her shoulders and carries her around the ring while she held the belt. You can tell by Natalia almost breaking down upon getting the belt that winning the title meant something to her. So me and you are big fans of Natalia. It's really cool to see her win the title here. Uh, but, and I think we've talked about this before. I hated this co-championship with Michelle McCool and Layla. It's not like it's their fault. It's creative, but seeing Natalia win the title that made it worth it. What'd you think? Yeah, I loved it. You know, Natty worked hard. She worked as hard as any one of the guys. And, uh, you know, she had a good business head growing up in the business and her thought process was, was different and it was way advanced from a lot of the ladies that came into the industry that 
that were hired in as eye candy. And, you know, if they had any aptitude, they were allowed to, you know, to wrestle and get better and, and all, and all those things. But Natty was one of those that was there for whatever you needed. And Beth Phoenix was my freaking hero. Uh, it's pretty well known that, you know, amongst the people in the business, Beth was just one that I looked at and she just, she had it from day one. She absolutely got it. And when you had an ass kicker and you had a muscle head like Beth was, and she knew how to bring that character to life, you know, it's like she was like a monster female. I saw Mickey James jump off the top countless nights with a crossbody off the top rope, and Beth would catch her and not move an inch, not wobble, not have a stagger step, nothing. It was like, whoop, was like a superhuman feat of strength. And she could just do some incredible stuff, and what a team they became. And they looked good together. They worked good together. They loved the business, and, uh, you know, I was proud to have Natty have her moment that night. And I was glad Beth got to be a part of it. Whether you own or rent, Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Go to Geico.com today. All right. So listen up. We all know 2020 is a little nuts, but that doesn't mean you should disregard your nuts, no matter what size or shape they're in. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to take care of your manhood with their below the waist grooming and hygiene products and great news. They've released all their products in the UK, Canada, and even Australia. And here's the deal. If you're looking to bring the thunder from down under, it's all about the presentation. If you don't have the right tools and you find yourself sort of slapping at it, well, you're going to cause yourself to, uh, be covering a crimson mask. I think is the phrase uh, I want to remind you too. They've also released the crop care kit. No, it's not for farmers, but it is, you know, something to do with your roots. You're trying to grow. This crop care kit is a formulation bundle to give you a plus balls. It really is the ultimate male hygiene hack. The crop care kit includes the crop preserver, which is ball deodorant. And that pretty much speaks for itself. What about the old crop reviver, which is a ball toner. It's a spray on toner that gives your balls a little slice of heaven, with a little aloe vera and some hazel extracts. The crop cleanser is a body wash. In fact, it's a full body wash. You can even use on your hair, but my favorite, the crop mop. These are ball wipes y'all. You never know when an opportunity strikes and this way you can always be prepared and the gift that keeps on giving. Here's your free gift. It's the foot duster foot deodorant designed to keep the stankiest feet smelling fresh. And let's not forget about while we're all here. It's the best trimmer for your butt, your balls, and your body. Of course, it's the lawnmower 3.0. It's got a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin safe technology, which is going to help reduce those grooming accidents. And of course that waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower for up to 90 minutes. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, paraben-free. So you know, your manhood is in good hands. In fact, you're probably playing with your balls right now. So you might as well invest in the crop care kit and make those balls leaked. Get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com when you use our promo code ARN. And if you care for those beautiful balls of yours, all you have to do is go to their site. Hit a few buttons on your phone and you will change your life for the better. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code ARN and add some swag to your old saggy bag at manscaped.com. Let's talk a little bit more about Natty for a minute because I've never really understood 
I mean, I, I just think about her career and think about how important she's been to the women's division. And this is her only divas title win. She wouldn't win another belt with the company until oh gosh, I think August of 2017 is when she became the SmackDown women's champ. So you're saying nearly seven years later before she wins another, does Vince just, does he not like her work? Does he not like her look? Does he not like her gimmick? Does he not like her heritage being a heart? I mean, it feels like she checks every box you would want. I mean, based on what we see from the outside model employee has a good look gear looks great work is some of the best in the entire company, probably the most consistent for years and years and years. I mean, this is an era where there were a lot of, you know, quote unquote models who learned to wrestle. Natty was a wrestler. And so when the women's division became about the evolution and no, we wrestle now I'm looking at Natty, like she wrestled the whole time. Was that, was, what was it about her presentation or what did she not have that Vince thought, oh, we got to go with her. It almost feels like a consolation prize for her to only have two title runs. You want to run down that, that list of employee, uh, isms that she had look good. Always on time. Never gave you any trouble. Dependable. Uh, all those positives. I know exactly why she didn't get a push. Don't you? Isn't it obvious? No. <laughs> she had all those attributes. She was easy to do business with all those things. It's you've heard the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So she needs Maddie, to be a shit disturber. Yeah. She, yeah, that's, that's probably what she was missing. She should have had an issue with everything that came out of creative. If you really wanted to get a push. She was so easy to do business with. She worked so hard to give you what you wanted. She was always on time. She was always there. Her gear looked good. You know, you name it. And at that particular point in time, her work really stood out because the ladies hadn't flamed up yet. Right. You know, we were still on that teeter tottering. It was fixing to go to another level, but it hadn't quite flamed up. She had already flamed up. Her work was immaculate from day one. So hypothetically, if, if she, uh, developed a substance problem or got in a fight backstage or no showed some events or slapped Vince McMahon or cussed out a producer, maybe she'd have got a bigger push, but because she did none of that, she's just there. Well, she couldn't have done any worse. No, that's what she? I'm saying. Like, I just don't get it. Like, it feels like to me, we should be talking about Natty Neidhart as being like, I don't know. It, it's weird too, to see that when, when the women's wrestling and WWE got serious, it's almost like she got leapfrogged. Nope. Now it's about Charlotte and it's about Becky and it's about Bailey and it's about Sasha. And don't get me wrong. Those are all really fantastic performers, but I don't know that they gave Natty a fair shake to really, I don't know her, her, her time in the sun. She's almost like in a weird way. She's like the female version of Kofi Kingston dude did everything he wanted, blah, blah, blah. And okay. We gave him his little run and now, all right, keep doing what you were doing before. It's just weird to me. Well, before you get too upset and I could tell your ass is a little chapter. Right <laughs> Natty has been there for a long time and made a lot of money without having to be the number one sure. female. And there's something to be said, trust me, I know, that if you're in that upper middle and you're a top performer 
but you're not always booked on top. But you can be there for a long time and always in a good spot and always on the live events and always on your pay-per-views. You can have a huge career that just kind of floats underneath the, the wire. You're just you're there, and they know you're there, but you're not constantly in the spotlight where you're having to get that number or you're having to get that quarter hour or you're having to draw that house. You're the one they looked at, well, who was on top? There's also something to be said for floating along in that spot and just being there 20 years. At the end of 20 years, you got a pretty hefty bank account. Listen, I'm not arguing that at all. I, I, I totally get what you're saying that at the end of the day, this is a business and having consistent, reliable income and, um, being able to enjoy your work and not have a ton of stress or pressure, your quality of life could be great. I get that, but I also kind of think, and maybe I'm wrong, but listen, I never did it. You did chat me up here. Doesn't everybody, when they get into this business, sort of think about, oh, I'm going to headline WrestleMania or I want to be the top dog. I mean, as a little kid, at least when you're first starting, you have these big aspirations and somewhere along the way, I'm sure eventually for everybody in every industry, it becomes more of a job and less of a, a childhood fantasy, but it does make me wonder, like, do you think part of her wishes, maybe she would have, Hey, you know what? Maybe I need to go away and come back. Because we've seen sometimes when you do, you know, get out of the race car and Jericho was famous for this. He would come in, do his thing, have fun, and then go away for a while and come back. It kept him fresh and it kept him in the mix. Do you think if she would have done that and done something with impact or done something in Japan or, or done something with AEW that she could get that big spot when she came back or maybe not so much, maybe, but but I don't think the opportunities for women were the same as for men. Right. I think uh, someone like Jericho would have more options than, than Natty would have. And, you know, and there's something about being comfortable and there's something, you know, she got the, the diva show and all these extras that go, you know, it, there's a lot of trappings that surround not just being the champion and, you, and your, your question was when you get in this business. Yeah. If you get in the, in this industry and you don't aspire to be the top guy and you don't want to be the champion, then something's the matter with you. Nobody comes in this business or should come in this business to go. Yeah. I just want to be that guy that's first after intermission. That's my aspirations. That's where I want to be. Uh, then you're in the wrong business. But there also comes a time that you're going to realize for most of us that you are going to be that guy that's first or second after intermission because you're either not marketable enough, your body doesn't look good enough, your talking is not good enough, or your work is not good enough, or you just don't have that star quality that could stand alone in the main event of a of a, an event no matter whether it's a pay-per-view or live event or a regular tv or whatever it is once you figure out that that golden circle is a very small one and you realize there's a lot of slots on the card other than that one then you're a lot better off and you can be a big star without having to be the world champion you go and you, you know i a lot of times, you know, that it pops up on the internet, you know, who is the greatest wrestler that was never the world champion. And that's a pretty prominent list. It's a lot more prominent than you would think. Go look at it sometime. 
uh, and it just tells you that if you get over, the championship being put on you is not going to make you get over even more. You put your most over guy, that's who you put the title on, not the other way around. The title doesn't make the man. The man makes the title. Same thing applies to the ladies. And I think Natty is, uh, you know, she's one of our favorites. She's worked her ass off. She's always given you everything you've ever asked. And as an entertainer, she's given you as a consumer everything that you wanted to see. And she's still there. So that's all that should matter. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. Fortunately, Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. It's a good thing too, because having a home is hard work. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save Geico.com easy. Let's, uh, let's talk about the next match. It's uh, Kane retaining the world title, going to a double pin draw with edge in 12 minutes and 47 seconds. Edge comes out with an empty wheelchair. Kane's going crazy. And basically the idea was that edge, the baby face was going to beat Kane by outsmarting him because he couldn't beat him physically. Meltzer called it a dull match and gave it a star and a half. Uh, he thought the match had little heat. Um, the ref counts three on both of them. It's announced that edge had won the title, but then the ref explains that both had their shoulders down and the match was a tie. So he gives the belt to Kane. Then edge attacks Kane after knocking him into the wheelchair and runs the wheelchair into a gimmicked part of the barricade that Kane goes through. Lots of Gaga, as Pat Patterson would say, but it feels like our streak of good matches is uh, grinding down a little bit here, which would have been hard for me to imagine. It seems like these two guys were going to tear it up. Is it just, uh, have an off night, bad chemistry that night fans weren't into it. Uh, or is it just one of those deals where, uh, they never really got going. What do you think? Maybe it was a rotten finish. Okay. If you have a double pin, number one. Matt, someone's got to come down and go, no, both guys' shoulders were down. Match continues. You have to have a winner. It doesn't end in a tie. you got a double pin. You have to continue the match because you haven't determined anything. If both guys' shoulders are down, no one won. That's, that's the big mistake. And everything else was a mad scramble to try to kick dirt over that. That's what it sounds like to me. I don't remember this match and there's probably a reason I don't remember it, <laughs> but I could tell you that the, the, the rule of law is when you have a double pin referee has to understand, realize, wait a minute, both guys shoulders are down. We got to continue this match period. And if you give them anything else, you've just choked the life out of the audience. And that's probably what happened. Those two as performers should have torn the joint down. Yes, for sure. We should mention, um, we've got a, another match that I think was originally supposed to be, uh, I think what Bruce would call a let me up match. This is usually the death spot after a big hot match. Unfortunately, Kane and edge perhaps looked hotter on paper than it was in actuality. We've got Heath Slater teaming with Justin Gabriel. They're going to retain the tag titles, beating Santino Morella and Vladimir Kozlov. It goes five minutes and eight seconds. Meltzer didn't love it. And he gives it three quarters of a star. He does note that the crowd was super into Santino. And he says the match got good reactions, even though it was supposed to be the death spot. Um, 
the finish sees Morella get a hot tag as they use Kozlov to sell. He goes for the Cobra, but David Otunga and Michael McGillicuddy jump on the apron. Morella was distracted. Slater uses the necktie for the pin. Uh, and that's all she wrote. Santino was over in this era as a comedy gimmick. We don't see Kozlov anymore. Uh, Heath Slater, uh, we know he's got kids and he's uh, doing a great job now with impact. Uh, Justin Gabriel is a name we don't hear about very much anymore either. What'd you think of these performers or the match? Well, Justin's still floating around. I've seen him on ring of honor, uh, and performing in empty arenas like we all have to do. And it's, it's very difficult. He's still got some, he's still got something left. That's for sure. Um, Slater, you know, I'm a fan of his, he suffered a pretty bad injury, uh, a few weeks back. Um, oh yeah. He had a, he had a groin thing, maybe a hernia thing or something like that on pay-per-view. Both. Yeah. yeah he got both, both. So surgery warranted, uh, he's going to be on the way back, you know, and Hey, if, if there's a good time to be out hurt, Now's the up, time. yeah, it's probably now not a lot you're missing, you know, if you have to be, if it's in the cards for you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all those guys are great performers and, and Kozlov, you know, who was a, a monster Sambo champion, which doesn't necessarily translate as being what we do. And, uh, you know, he, he, uh, nice guy. Thank God. Killer, probably legitimate killer. Uh, but Santino was a star of that whole, whole show. And, uh, just very entertaining. He had such a grasp for that character and, and the, the audience really enjoyed him real quick. I want to correct myself. You're exactly right. Justin Gabriel is PJ black. Now, uh, uh you got, you caught me twice today. Arn. momentary lapses, uh, but PJ black, you can see tearing it up on ring of honor, very talented performer. And when I see the name just went blank, didn't realize the same guy. Let's get to our main. He's hiding behind another gimmick. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? PJ black is a kind of a cooler name than Justin Gabriel, at least in my opinion. Yeah, you're right. All right, here we go. Randy Orton's going to pin Wade Barrett to retain the WWE title. John Cena is your special guest referee. Uh, we've got 15 minutes and 14 seconds for a runtime, two and a half stars. Um, it's, it's okay. It's heavy on storyline for me. Uh, eventually, you know, he's going to get, he being Barrett is going to start yelling at Cena and Cena's going to tell him, Nope, I'm calling it straight. He shoves Cena. Cena shoves him right into an RKO and Orton gets the pin. Uh, strikers acting like this is a big win for Cena because he gets out of Nexus and Cole had to remind everyone. Nope. Cena is fired. And then Nexus hits the ring after Cena and Orton, uh, but the two clean house and Cena grabs the belt, hands it to Orton and they hug. Cena takes off his wristbands, places them in the middle of the ring. Like the amateurs taking off their boots and leaving them in the center. There was a Cena chant, but you could tell the crowd didn't buy that Cena was really leaving, nor should they have Cena hugged Michael Cole, as well as Rick, the sign guy from Texas, who's in the front row all the time, as well as a few others, and then walks away. Fans did react to his standing on the stage and saluting the audience, but not nearly at the level you'd hope for. And then he goes into the crowd as the show ends two and a half stars, kind of a unique way to end a pay-per-view where you feel like, Hey, our most over guy, this is it. He's done. It's his farewell, but fans are smart here in 2010. They know this, isn't it? what do you think of this? Well, you know why? Because they didn't leave him off a month fired. Right. And let those guys run rampant. 
you know, it should have been one of those deals. Him and Randy beating all those guys up didn't serve a purpose. You wanted to go with a story that if if Cena didn't do what Wade Barrett wanted, he was going to get canned. So, you know, after Cena, and I get doing the right thing, that, that would have appealed to all of his kids. If, if you're a parent, you could have explained, hey, he did the right thing. Sometimes you got to do the right thing in this life, and it's going to cost you. There's a life lesson there if the parents chose to go that route. But I would have damn sure not gotten to the to the nexus and beat him up. You could have had those guys come down and browbeat him all the way out of the building with no help coming from anywhere. And he's got this gang of guys telling him to his ass out of here you're gone da, 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 and let him stay gone and let them benefit for the next month of him being fired we, we don't lengthen stories enough we don't put enough meat in the story you know that would have been easy you could have put layer upon layer upon layer the guy did the wrong thing and it did it got him fired well shit after week three you don't think people would have been saying shit i guess they did fire him you can go back in Monday morning quarterback a lot of stuff and saw that would have been an easy fix. Meltzer would uh, write in the era. Cena won't even be selling the firing for a week. He's already been announced for the November 29th, three hour raw with the angle. He's buying a ticket to sit at ringside on the raw television show and all the markets where raw house shows were upcoming, even though fired John Cena is listed as being in every main event. And the current plan is for Cena to work all the house shows and the upcoming TVs under a mask as Juan Cena, John's Mexican cousin. This is real. Uh, <laughs> real this, shitty. I yeah. Juan Cena. Of course, the next night, John Cena comes out on Raw and thanks the WWE Universe. He's given an ovation by other wrestlers backstage as he exits the arena. Barrett's going to taunt him on the way out. He's going to demand a rematch against Randy Orton. During the match, John Cena attacks Barrett, costing him the match, but immediately afterwards, Miz cashes in his money in the bank briefcase and becomes the WWE champion, which is pretty remarkable. You know, it's supposed to be, uh, Barrett's time, but nope, we're switching gears. Now it's the Miz and here comes Juan Cena. This feels like a fucking fever dream. <laughs> Full handoff to the Miz. Full handoff. Listen, this was uh, fun to go back and revisit. Uh, I, you know, I, I kind of think in hindsight, this was a pretty good pay-per-view. I don't know why it had such a mixed bag, but there was a lot of good wrestling to start this show. It's a pretty monumental moments too, where you think, okay, well, I guess this is the end of John Cena's career. Uh, they, they tried for the big spectacle of sending Kane through the barricade. You see Layla win her first title. There's some cool stuff on here. I enjoyed watching it back for the first time in 10 years. Yeah, and, and as always, I commend the talent for working their ass off. There was never a night that that I came back and uh, got in my rental car and started down the road where I went, man, those guys loaf today. They dialed the shit in. There may have been some honest mistakes and some mechanical mistakes and some mistakes in storytelling and and maybe some a few things that, that I would have changed during the match, but I never looked – looked back through that curtain and went, God, those guys loafed tonight. They worked their ass off. That's one thing for sure. 
and it's always been that way. Well, I'm really excited that uh, we're working our ass off here at adfreeshows.com. Aaron, I haven't, uh, I haven't asked you. I've been specifically waiting. Um, it's been announced now. Jim heard it's a 4k interview on adfreeshows.com. I think by the time everyone hears this, they've probably had a chance to watch it. And I know that you haven't yet seen it. And, uh, I'm curious, are you going to abstain from watching it? Uh, do you, where are you at on Jim Hurd in 2020? Oh no, I'm not going to abstain. I'm going to listen. Uh, there's a different me sitting in this chair right now than there was sitting across from him in, uh, 88, 89, 89, excuse me, 89. And, uh, I'm going to, as usual, just like we don't rehearse this show, you just throw questions at me and, and I try to answer them off the top of my head. I'm going to go into this without any forewarning from you, if that's okay. Sure. And I just want to listen to it with, uh, my ears and look at it with my eyes and make my own determination because the reality is you could take anybody. You could take even the guys that, that are on your staff, the Tony's, you know, the Eric, the, you know, all the guys, Bruce, myself, Jr. You can ask us all in, in quiet in a cubicle, the same question from an era that's, that's at least 10 years old. You're probably going to have five different answers because you have five recollections. I'm going to be interesting to see what his recollection is. Well, find out right now over at adfreeshows.com. As a reminder, you get all these shows early and ad free, including next week's hashtag ask Arn anything. And Arn and I are going to put a bow on this year's or this month with a special little bonus edition. We're going to talk about Starcade 1987. We are going to do a little watch along with that. It's going to be fun. And of course, as you know, Starcade is a Thanksgiving tradition. So, uh, look for it the last week of November. Uh, a lot of us are going to have to do uh, a little travel or a little more cooking, or we're going to be a little more, uh, thirsty for <laughs> content, for escape, for, for something to do. Well, how about enjoying Starcade 87 with Art Anderson and myself? And you might remember this Starcade 87 show was the one where you were expecting a monster payoff from Jim Crockett promotions that didn't quite materialize and ultimately would be, uh, something that would head you towards Vince McMahon. Not too many moons after, huh? Yep. And as far as that thirst thing you're talking about in your case, that'd be Jack Daniels, uh, crown Royal. Thank you, sir. Oh, you're a crown man. I just it just, just over the rocks or no little, I, mi- little mixer. I actually, uh, mostly prefer Tito's and water, but I'll do a uh, crown reserve and diet and, uh, make it tall because I, I'm going to consume a lot of liquid. Yeah. And it makes for less trips, right? Absolutely. It does. And I get one of those big Yeti cups and fire up, uh, some old wrestling and watch with you. That, that sounds like a fun time. You should join us over at adfreeshows.com. until next time. He is at the orange show. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad and we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here for another hashtag. Ask Arn anything it's Arn. Attention Orange Show fans, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel for your exclusive chance to get a sneak peek of our upcoming episodes and some other bonus content you can't find anywhere else. But perhaps best of all, we've even got a lot of giveaways coming your way. It's all available right now for free. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button over at youtube.com forward slash the Orange Show. 
and be sure to check out the shirts over at orangeshirts.com. There are classic designs along with the inside jokes from the show, plus tons of gimmicks over at boxofgimmicks.com. Like now we offer kid and youth sizes in both shirts and hoodies. Both you and your kid can match while you're representing double a the enforcer. There's lots of different ways to support the show and be a part of the Arn community. So one more time, check it out, hit the subscribe button and the like button right now over at youtube.com forward slash the Arn show. And don't forget to check out all the swag over at boxofgimmicks.com and orangeshirts.com. And if you're an advertiser who would like to hear Arn Anderson brag about your business here on the show, it's easy. Just go to advertisewithconrad.com right now. You'll be glad you did. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, high quality, round, brilliant cut diamond, expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one carat round, brilliant cut diamond is only $31.98. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Plus free shipping and 12 months interest-free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista ready for love engagement ring. Steven Singer jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I hate Steven singer.com. Hey, before we get out of here, I want to remind you don't put Christmas on a credit card. Instead, get rid of all that credit card debt right now, once and for all, and even skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. It really is that simple. In just about 10 minutes, we're going to show you how much you can save for free. It's no cost, no obligation. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time, but we're licensed in more than 40 States and ready to hook you up. Go check out our five-star reviews over at SaveWithConrad.com, and then get a quick quote and find out how much money you can save for free. We've helped thousands of our podcast listeners, just like you save their family, tens of thousands of dollars, 50, 60, 70, 80, even a hundred thousand bucks you could save. And it just takes about 10 minutes to get started right now at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. You know what to do. Go to savewithconrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.